Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. And I don't know why But since you said goodbye The polka dot
friends. Welcome to episode 65 of the Helping Friendly Podcast. Uh, this episode's a little different, and I'm really excited. We're joined, um, as always, by Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, now. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for being on again. And, um, and also, George is our special guest. George. Hey. Uh, hi, George. How you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Awesome. awesome. I'm doing well. Thank you. So, George is at McGrupp underscore um, on the Twitter. Um, you had to throw that underscore in there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, the underscore is uh, is necessary, and also um, it should probably be noted that I'm a, a relaxed husky, adult husky. Okay, awesome. <laughs> of the canine variety. Nice, nice. Um, so, George, thanks for joining us. We, um, I think it's been about a week, at least maybe two, since you released your... Um, Soon to be, if not yet, infamous Just the Jams mix from Summer 15. How long has it been out? Uh, yeah, I think it's been, uh, been about 10 days or so. Nice. Um, I uh, was actually uh, just listening to it earlier today and um, noticed that it's, uh, I guess a few days ago, just got over the 1,000 play mark, which, awesome. is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I know at least um, 106 of those are RJs. He really, he really loves it. So um, he, he can't make it tonight. He's a little under the weather, but he did send his regards for your mix. So um, you've got three big fans at least. Well, Jonathan's like half a fan. Yeah, well, I, I just use it as an easy way to get to the slow llama. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yes, all right. So we'll get into that um, after we uh, chat a little bit. So George... Uh, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself and your intro into fish and all that. Like, when did you first hear them? How'd you get into it? Um, so, I am, I guess, uh, you could say, like part of the sort of younger generation of fans. Um, maybe not the youngest, but younger. I'm 26 years old, and I got into fish um, probably around like 2003. And at that time, I was in like eighth grade, and so. You know, going to a show, even though Fish was like they were playing at that point. Um, you know, the the sort of uh, the, they were in the 2.0 phase, and um, I was you know just kind of uh, like my best friend who I was playing music with at the time. His older brother was would like burn us discs, and I uh, just kind of got into Fish that way. And I never really thought I'd see the band, especially after they broke up, like right after Coventry. And uh, so I joined this like uh, online forum, this community of mostly like tape traders, and which Jonathan is a part of. Um, I'll let it go unnamed, just uh, <laughs> just for the sake of anonymity. But um, I was on that, uh, you know, throughout high school, and got really into collecting recordings and uh, um, dove really deep into sort of the archives of uh, what Fish has recorded. And again, I just, I never thought I would, I would see the band. And then uh, the Hampton announcement came along and I guess in October 2008 that was, and I was in college at the time. And I made it my ultimate goal to be there and see the shows. And somehow I lucked out on Ticketmaster and got two, three day passes on the on sale, which is still blows my mind to this day. (laughs) Um, so my first show was, uh, three, six Oh nine. And I am 
I've seen 97 shows since then. Good work. It's a lot. So yeah, just three put in some time. Shows, though. Just three point shows. Just three <laughs> shows. Nothing to brag about. <laughs> no, that's a lot. It's definitely a lot of three point shows. When was your first like real it moment? At what point did you know this was a thing that you really had to be a part of? Well, I think I had my it moment probably before seeing fish. Um, I think, I mean, I, I fell in love with the band really when I, when I heard big Cypress, um, and obviously any, you know, serious fan of fish knows that those are kind of like the really heavy jams. And that's, that's what I really, really got into and liked about the band. Um, but as far as sort of like a live moment, um, that, that I actually was there to witness, um, obviously the Hampton shows were amazing. I was blown away by, you know, my first song ever seeing the band was Fluffhead, which was in- incredible. Um, hard to kind of put that into words, but I still was sort of like in shock at that point. So I guess really, you know, I sort of found my stride at Camden in 2009. They played a pretty epic band in the second set of that show and that was kind of my like holy crap this this is the band that i always wanted to see moment right on yeah um that was that was a pretty fun show and uh, of course hampton 2009 is where we met um face to face for the first time and uh, it is I've so you guys uh, never you guys been able to forget other, that horror you knew each other from um just from the the online community you're talking about george yeah, from the message board. Um, I guess like I, I uh, Jonathan was on there before I was, but I joined as like a sixteen-year-old, like in like '05. Nice. And so we, you know, it, it's it as a lot of people like who talk on Twitter and message boards who end up meeting in person know. Um, once you spend like like a, a while talking to somebody online, you kind of, it's like it's kind of like you have known them that whole time. So right. when I met Jonathan. It wasn't weird. Um, yeah. I mean, Jonathan's weird, but <laughs> George is um, weird. <laughs> so but, it's, like, uh, it's like picking up with somebody like a long friend, long time friend, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. and that's pretty much how it's been with almost every single person I've met from the internet via fish. And um, I've met a lot of really, really, really cool people that I consider to be very close friends. So what? <clears throat> excuse me. So what? Um, if you had to go back pre 3.0, is there any is there any tape or um, era or you know tour that you go back to all the time um, pre 3.0? Um, well, like I said, I, I you know I really fell in love with the with the big Cypress tapes, um, and j- just because that the whole idea of like a seven hour set just really blew me away. Um, but I think. Uh, I mean, there are, there are so many that I go back to um, and listen to. Uh, the Island Tour is really special to me nice. for some reason. Um, that Actually, that version of McGrupp is is why I uh, call myself McGrupp on the internet. Nice, nice. Um, I, I consider it to be one of the tighter versions they've ever played. Um, but then, you know, there's like, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, I, I really, I go through phases. I love the fall 97, right. the summer 97, uh, you know, the winter tour 95. Um, Jonathan and I, and I both share a, a pretty equal passion for uh, 
the twelve one ninety five show. Nice. Uh, rules your face. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd say Island Tour um, and Cyprus are are pretty special to me. Yeah, those aren't those aren't bad choices. That's that's great. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, the summer tour. And did you see any shows? Um, uh, well, yeah. So let's start there. How many shows did you see this summer, if any? I saw a lot of shows. Um, I saw a lot more shows than I was I was anticipating. Um, I think I, including the three Magna Ball shows, if you want to call it three, um, I saw fourteen. Um, so I saw everything from the first night of Atlanta through Magna Ball, excluding the two Alpine shows. So I believe that's 14. And uh, I was just going to go see um, the two Atlanta shows and the Tuscaloosa show, which was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday run. But the shows were just so good that I was just like, I just got to stay on tour and I just got to keep. Yeah. I was just like, I'm just going to stay on because this band is on fire right now. So I didn't want to miss anything. FOMO was, was really kicking in hard. So that that (laughs) kept, kept me on the pavement. It's the stuff dreams are made of, though, when you can just stay on tour, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've been in a pretty uh, flexible spot this summer, so I guess you could say. So it, uh, it allowed me to just kind of do that. And I, I think that's probably, I, I recognize it as sort of a once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity to hit a lot of shows. So I just kind of seized it. Good for you. That's, that's a pretty great. good plan. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about, um, I know you, you, you already mentioned that you thought the band was on fire and they're doing well, but, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you think, uh, brought them to this level? Do you think they're going to continue it into New Year's? You know, just what are your thoughts about the the band in their current state? Well, the thing about this band is that you, you can't predict anything. Um, so, you know, I mean, I could sit around and um, and say, you know, I think they're going to have a killer New Year's run, or I think they're going to just uh, totally choke in Mexico or, or whatever. But nobody knows, and you know, that's kind of what is fun about the band. It's kind of like following a sports team. Um, I know that analogy has been made a thousand times before, but it's it's very true. And um, I think that. Uh, the reason that i mean i i feel very strongly that this past summer tour was um one of the best in a very very long time and um i think without a doubt at least in my mind it's totally a result of trey getting to play with uh with the dead guys um in santa clara and chicago i mean he he had to practice. Um, I was at the Chicago shows. It totally showed in his playing that he had been practicing. Um, he obviously took that gig very, very seriously. And then once I, you know, I, I, I didn't really pay much attention to the beginning of the fish tour this summer, like the, the West coast shows. Um, but once I saw them in Atlanta, I was pretty blown away and I, there was just this kind of attitude from Trey on stage that it was kind of like him being like, all right, now it's my turn to like show off with my band. Nice. And like I said, I was pretty blown away by it. And I think that, uh, 
every show for the most part pretty much just got better than the last. It was amazing. Um, there's a lot, was amazing of, a lot of forward progress. Yeah, awesome. So do you do you uh, you said it's hard to predict, and I, I definitely agree with that. But uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think people are going to be uh, let down in New Year's Eve? You think it's a, it really is just anybody's guess, or um, or are you um, optimistic? I I'm more optimistic than I have been in the past at this point in the year for looking forward to New Year's Eve, um, just because they're coming off such a strong summer. Um, any time that the band goes a few months without playing gigs, I feel like there's a little, it takes them a little bit of time to kind of get that traction back and get that sort of energy and momentum back. But I think my, my guess is that it's probably going to happen a little bit quicker um, this, you know, this time around. And I think that we're probably in for a pretty, pretty killer New Year's run. So is there was there any doubt, and this is just kind of an open-ended question, but was there any doubt that um, they were con- going to continue to excel if they kept going on? Uh, that's a bad question. I guess my question is, do you think they're getting tired at the end of this run, at the end of summer? Did anybody anybody have that sort of feeling? I feel like, and the reason I ask is because I, I listened to the third show of Magnaball um, on a drive today, and um, I feel like the, like the twist jam... It was just kind of, it, it was kind of lazy. I, I don't like to say disparaging remarks about the band, but I felt it was like Trey was just kind of like, oh man, like we've been doing this for a while in the past three days. They always yeah, did, yeah. you know. They, they, yeah. They, 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 even in the highest of shows, you know, there's some point, you know, somebody's like, oh man, they were really dragging on Twist or you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Jonathan. I mean, I think that's just part of the band and it's just something that i think i've just kind of gotten used to um i mean especially being on tour and hearing uh you know hearing the band night after night after night i mean obviously they one thing we all love about the band is that they never play the same show twice um however you know there are certain songs that tend to kind of um, as far as the improvisation goes, kind of tend to fall into the same sort of format. Sure. And um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing. I mean, sometimes it can be a really good thing when they find a song that they're really, like, gelling with. And, um, you know, I mean, I, it, you know, every, every tour seems to have a different grouping of songs that are kind of just good every show. Um, but, you know, um, I mean, for, for instance, I, I don't really, I mean, you, you brought up twist. I can't really, I don't really, there aren't really any super memorable, um, twists with just a couple exceptions, um, from this past summer tour in my mind. But then, you know, you look at a song like bathtub gin and pretty much every time they played it this summer, it was really, really good. So it kind of goes both ways, I think. Um, maybe the twist kind of falls in a, almost the same slot in the second set, right? This summer tour, I, I, some people I saw on Twitter were saying twist was like their MVP or, you know, the most valuable song from the tour, which there were some good versions, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like shoreline was great. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you go to, go to the well too many times, like I, I kind of feel that way with down with disease a little bit and this will probably get some negative backlash, but 
Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it, when you open a second set with a song so many times in a row or whatever, that's why I was so excited to hear it. First set, second song in L.A. It's like, whoa, this is totally different. It was only 11 minutes, like, you know, nothing out of the ordinary there, but still it's nice to see it when it's placed different places, I guess. I don't know. Right. I, I think um, I think something that I one thing about this this summer tour that I really really liked and noticed that was different from other tours that I've seen was that um, they there was that kind of freshness um, sort of it, it was I was seeing that freshness more frequently um, or hearing rather um, and it it seemed like I mean I, I've done. Um, you know, solid runs of shows before in the past, um, the past, you know, uh, six or whatever years or seasons that I've been seeing fish. And, you know, a lot of times it, you know, you get those just kind of stale sort of runs of shows where it's just kind of like same old stuff, um, over and over again. Um, but you know, this, this, uh, I mean, not, not to just be, doting on this summer so hard but um it's all right. uh, I, I just you know i i didn't really again like i said the reason i kept going to the next show and to the next show and to the next show is because um i really wasn't getting disappointed and i was i it really i wasn't seeing the same old stuff night after night i mean granted if you really really listen really hard and um, you, you let your memory get the best of you. I think that you can kind of overanalyze it and, um, and maybe start to hear the same things over and over again, no matter what. I think that's just inevitable. I but like it. Don't, um, let the memory, don't let your memory get the best of you. Yeah, yeah. George, um, George philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it was, uh, you know, it was just, just a, lot of, a lot of fresh stuff this summer, and it was just a, it was a joy to to watch them uh, playing like sort of, sort of like the younger band that I fell in love with when I was in high school awesome. to tapes, yeah. you know, you can't um, apologize for, for fluffing the tour. I mean, it's, it's easy to, I don't know, easy may not be the right word, but you know, a lot of people can look at the shows and say, well, this was, this dipped or this wasn't, you know, right. But uh, it's a lot more fun to look at them and, you know, say, well, they hit a peak here. This was a nice high point. And, you know, really the, my metric is how high and how frequent are the highs. And the summer crossed that bar. And uh, it was pretty great. Um, that's, and yeah, that's why so, I decided to do the mix. Um, yeah, which is exactly uh, where I was going. So um, here you've gone in uh, – put together a bunch of songs or a bunch of the jams, excuse me, um, from this summer. And it's not all of the big, big jams from the summer, but it's, uh, it's a lot of them. And, um, tell us, you know, why you picked some of the things you picked and, uh, anything interesting that we should be listening for. Anybody that follows me on Twitter, I, I knows that I haven't been able to shut up about the Magna ball, uh, Prince Caspian. I think, to to me, just personally, to my my own ears, my personal taste, that is uh, unquestionably the the highlight sort of improvisational moment, if you will, of of the tour. Um, I mean, it it pretty much immediately goes into um, 
you know, type two territory where it's like, it just doesn't sound like any other version of, of the song really. Um, it, it honestly, it, it starts to sound more like tweezer than Caspian, um, which they had gone from tweezer into Caspian. There's a lot um, of, a uh, lot of crosstalk about that, uh, right. Twe- is, was it a Caspian with a tweezer jam? Did it really go back into tweezer? Uh, right, right. I was actually thinking about that today as I was listening to the mix, and I, I'll stand by that I, I think it's it's just a really sick Caspian jam um, as opposed to going back into a tweezer jam. Um, I, I don't I don't know what it is about that jam um, that really does it for me. Maybe it's the fact that Mike drops like five bombs in a row near the end um or like um there's some like really cool uh key modulating going on um but really you know when i was there and was watching it go down live i just remember thinking to myself wait a minute this is still caspian right you know thinking in my head and then sort of one of those moments and then um and then just thinking wow like this band is just having so much fun on stage right now um and you and it it you can hear it i mean it shines right through the speakers it's 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 pretty fantastic it's wonderful um, and when when people when people have to debate about what song they're playing in the jam you know whether they've gone back into the previous song or they're still in the current song you know what i mean you know you're you know you're in some territory that everyone's going to enjoy yeah so, anytime anytime you have to ask what song is this is right, a good right. good time so yeah, absolutely, George. We do. I do have your, um, you know, the the song list of the the jams mix, um, and it's you know it's a good couple hours worth of jams, um, and I think it could be longer, right? How did you how did you boil it down? Is it just the shows you went to, or? Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's a little biased toward to my specific tour. Um, I. I mean, obviously, I, I think anybody can will kind of understand that it's easier to really go back and comb through the music of the shows that you attended. Um, and so, I, I mean, granted, I did catch the better um, part of, a, of the tour. I mean, I saw most of the shows. Like I said, I, I didn't really get a great chance to go through much of the West Coast or Texas stuff. Um, but um, I also feel like the band kind of started picking up steam um, <laughs> just so happens right when I started, <laughs> right when I hopped on tour. Um, and uh, which, you know, is, is just, uh, you know, it just, just kind of happens. But it's not just your bias, you know, sitting at home, I kind of felt the same thing. Damn it! George jumped on tour and they started playing well. <laughs> well yeah, it was anyway, just dumb luck. The West Coast always gets a little bit of the you know, bad draw, I guess. But they started out here, and usually the start of a tour is is like you said earlier. They're kind of you know catching their bearings and getting things going. But with and there were some really good jams, and I did oh, yeah. I I did include some some stuff from. Yeah. Uh, like I, I think I included some Shoreline and some Bend. Um, yeah, you got the simple from Bend, and then you got the twist from Shoreline, which yep. um, are two really, really great jams. So um, it didn't yeah. get completely excluded. Did you go? To, you were at Dick's too. Is that right? Um, I was not at Dick's. Oh, okay. um, I couldn't make there. it out there, and I yeah, I did. What I don't even remember. It was um, the Golden Age. The Golden Age, yeah. So I, I streamed all those shows. I watched them all at home, um, and 
I felt like if I felt like Magnaball was sort of like the peak of the of fish's playing and and dicks while it was still really good and solid fish um i think it was sort of when they they, they started to kind of climb back down the mountain so to speak nice. um yeah. i i feel like the third night um without question was was the best night um and that encore was really something special the whole thank you thing um where they spelled out "thank you" with the you know the first letter of each song, um, probably the coolest encore, possibly the coolest encore they've ever done. <laughs> um, but and uh, and actually, it's funny. Jonathan was uh, was kind of giving me crap about um, like the day I put out my mix. I kind of just forgot. I meant to put on the "Down with Disease" from Dix uh, night three, but I just totally <laughs> forgot. It's um, a notable oversight, but everybody's just going to have to go listen to that whole thing in its entirety it, yeah. after this. Absolutely, it, this, we, we can just call that a hidden gem if you're just going <laughs> no. by my by, by my mix. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hid the gem. <laughs> but um, you know, I thought the Dix run was really solid. But again, you know, it's I I sort of made the mix off of my own sort of tour bias, and it was um, I was just fortunate to have have caught most of the shows, you know? Well, it's really well edited. I th- we've already complimented, I've complimented you already once on it, but I think it's really well edited and you did, um, did all the jams a, a service by putting them back to back like you did, but the slow llama, like Jonathan said to start, was just, oh man, that was, good that was the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, you can't just start a mix like that, like in space, you know, it's yeah. like you, you can't just start it, um, where you have no idea where you are. It, there's got to have some sort of starting point. And uh, so I, I kind of, um, I, I, when I had the, the idea to do the mix, which was sometime mid-tour, I think it was right around Meriwether, um, I started thinking, like, in the back of my mind, all right, like, how am I going to start this out? And then, uh, you know, I just kind of kept going back and just kind of re-listening the stuff from the tour. And that slow llama was just such a uh, such a rare, unique thing that they right. did. It's something that they've never done, and that they'll. My guess is they'll probably never do again. Right. Um, granted, I did say after Halloween this year that they would never play any of those Halloween songs ever again, and now they've played almost all of them. So, well, it's awesome that you can almost understand the lyrics of llama when it's slowed down like that. Right. Well, exactly. You know, it's funny because you start to, although you knew the syllable sounds and you start to realize some of those are barely words. You're right. right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, you wonder if the band realizes, is realizing that as they're singing it. It's because, it's, right. it's, yeah, it's a pretty remarkable moment. And um, I am glad you included that. So the other thing I'll point out, um, and then we'll stop talking about your mix. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is the tweezer from Atlanta, I think it's got the biggest chunk of time. And I thought that was just, just an amazing tweezer. Tweezer, as always, is a wonderful jam vehicle. But I think this, this summer it got a, some special treatment. Other than the L.A. tweezer, which, of course, I was at, and it was like all of eight minutes or whatever. Um, right, right. Um, tweezer was pretty great. I, I think the Magnaball tweezer was a little short, but it went into that wonderful Caspian. So, um but the Atlanta tweezer, a total highlight, and uh, something that I think um, needed to be included, and it got the biggest chunk of time. So, yeah, I think I, I think I, uh, 
I think I went right into that from the llama. Well, I think that's like the first like big jam that I put in uh, there. You got the uh, Nashville Mike's. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then the uh, Columbia Meriwether Piper first, and okay, then okay, which then it goes flows bigger. pretty well. Um, yeah, no, that, well. um, yeah, that, that tweezer was, was fantastic. Um, again, going back to that Atlanta run, um, that's when I really felt like, you know, w- with the perspective that we have now, um, I feel like looking back, that was when they really started to kind of take off. That's when they really started to get comfortable and started to, um, play with a lot of fluidity and um i heard a really confident band that weekend and um the uh the first night i was blown away by the kill devil falls which i believe is also on the mix Mm -hmm. um and i i think me and all my friends walked away from that show thinking you know how are they going to top this? I mean, you know, we, we were like, you know, it's the first night of a run. Like is tomorrow is Saturday night just going to be a flop. And then they came out the next night and, you know, and played equally as well. And, um, and did that tweezer. And, and it was, it was just a really, really great, great run. And, um, I, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say if that was like my favorite sort of two night stint of the tour. I really liked the Philly shows a lot. Um, those were really intense and had a lot of cool moments as well. Um, I think I included the, the Martian monster from the skin it back sort of section, um, in the mix and later in the mix. Um, and that was also a highlight of the tour for me. Yeah. Along with the Um, cities in the 2001 you put in there too. Yeah, and and the reason I and this is sort of changing topics, but the the reason I like that Philly run so much is that's when Trey started to really start playing around with both the uh, the Mutron and the Echoplex, mm-hmm. and um, he started to get really comfortable with that delay effect that the Echoplex has, and um, the reason I ended with the two thousand one or rather just included it, but um, that's when I really heard, it was that 2001 in the cities that I really heard Trey starting to play around with that long sort of triplet delay, yeah. uh, you know, sort of sound. And once he fell into that in Philly, from there on, the whole tour was, you know, he was using that effect. And I think... Um, I think again. I really I, I saw it first or heard it first with the 2001, but um, pretty much all the good stuff from Magnum Ball, he was using it in some form or another, and that was really sort of like a capstone moment of the tour for me. And that's that's why I like the Philly run so much because that was kind of like when the the cap flew off the bottle, you know, and it was just kind of party time. Everything got really weird after that. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a good run. I'm sorry I missed it this year. We had a pretty good time there last year. Yeah, it's a really really weird venue, and it's a really cool place to see a show. It's always, uh, I mean, the I, the two times that they've they've played it in 3.0 or the two runs, I guess. Um, I I just remember you know walking in the first night and thinking, wow, this is such a weird and small venue. <laughs> sort of like a mini spack. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but you know Trey loves playing in the Philly area, and I, I always, uh, 
really, really hesitate to miss any shows, um, like whether it be Camden or Philly or um, whatever, just in that area, just because it's sort of a hometown, sort of, I guess, it would feel like a hometown show to him. Um, so, you know, the energy is always really unique in that yeah, area. Always sold so. out, always, you know, people yeah. looking for tickets. Weather always seems to be a little kooky, right? I, I think yeah. Yeah. 95, he told us that uh, he saw his first show, uh, Jethro Tull, there in the Spectrum, and uh, told us that on 1595. Nice. What do you think? You, anybody have any thoughts about Tab in Vegas on Halloween? Is it just going to be like some some Trey loosening up his knuckles for the for the New Year's run, or you think, you think they have anything kooky up their sleeve? Trey, you know, he's going to be having fun. I think he has Tab to go out and have fun. He's got a new record. He's going to be playing some of that. Um, I think a lot of that material may, um, some of that material's already been played, and others haven't. And he's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't anticipate he's not going to cover an album. He's just going to rock the f out. And nice. I think everybody who goes will have a good time. And, have some horns uh, around. Yeah, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. No question. I mean, it's Vegas. Right. You're gonna have fun. Yeah, I think I think undoubtedly fun will be had. Um, <laughs> the the, the tab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, Jonathan, it's it's Vegas and it's Trey. Um, it's you know everybody there is going to be all smiles and it's um, it's going to be a good time. As far as gimmicks or you know shenanigans. Um, Going back to what I said earlier, who knows? Like, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I don't know who said this originally, but Jonathan, I, I sort of picked this up, this little, uh, this adage from you: never trust a prankster. Um, and that's kind of all the way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anonymous, I guess. Um, Keezy, actually. Oh, Keezy, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's Trey is Trey fits into the category of like your typical prankster to me and and that's what and I mean really all the guys in fish are but if we're talking about Trey bands um you know he he uh the fun of it is that Trey is is kind of always there to mess with you and sort of catch you off guard when you least expect it and um granted I think the tab shows tend to be a little bit more um safe and 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 closed yeah um and sort of by the book um but it's still trey and uh it's it's still gonna be probably a lot of fun so it's a positive that he's gonna play a little run before the new year's show and then if you're going to mexico like it's positive that he's playing new year's and tab shows before mexico because you know hopefully it'll all culminate down there so i i will (laughs) say i want to um the never trust a prankster thing you know, that goes back to, um, I, I saw it in electric Kool-Aid acid test. And so I don't know if it was Kisu who said it or somebody else said in that group said it, but it's pretty solid advice. We'll, you know, we're going to play the George's mix right now on obviously, but we'll also link it, um, on Twitter and Facebook and Jonathan will throw it up at road J as well. And you can find George at McGrupp underscore. McGrupp underscore, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't write out underscore. You just uh, you gotta figure it out with the shift button. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's up there. It's it's above the dash. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, yeah. Thanks George. for having me. Yeah, it was great. You taking the time. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, you, you as well, Jonathan. We're going to rock Thank this you, two plus hours of jams that you put together. Um, Sweet. Wonderfully edited. So um, hope everybody Thank enjoys you. it. Um, and hopefully see you guys at MSG or Mexico or wherever we land next. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Awesome. And, uh, you know, keywords uh, of advice, never trust a prankster. Yeah. And as RJ would always say, keep on rocking, right? This podcast is brought to you by the Showtime original Personality Crisis, One Night Only. Directed by Academy Award winner Martin Scorsese and Emmy nominee David Tedeschi, Personality Crisis, One Night Only celebrates the enduring cultural legacy of David Johansson's life and all of his personas. From his days as a pioneer of the punk rock movement, leading rock band New York Dolls, to his reinvention as Buster Poindexter, the chameleonic Johansson created a genre unto himself. Featuring a live performance, Personality Crisis, One Night Only is a testament to a performer who challenged the world to think about identity differently, changing music forever. Personality Crisis, One Night Only, streaming April 14th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York. A podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
ship is about to blast off. Because of the incredible speed of your rocket. Because of the incredible speed of your rocket. Because of the incredible speed of your rocket.
bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born, to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.